Hi, I'm Gordon. And I'm Fiona. We're from Gate Church International in Dundee, Scotland, and we'd like to welcome you to this week's podcast. Our goal here is growing people to bring Christ into our communities and to see you get connected with God, His people, and His purpose. We hope this message inspires you in your faith journey. Thank you. It's time to soar like kings in this time of transition. Let's soar. The Bible says, The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even the youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. I believe now is the time for us to soar like kings in this time of transition. This morning, we want to look at the art of the soar, how we can learn to position and posture ourselves to soar like eagles. It's important that we see how he sees in this time and this season. I want to look this morning at the life of Elijah and Elisha and how they transitioned over the mantle in a time and a season of darkness in the nation of Israel. I want to just jump back a step or two to talk about David and I'll tell you why I am because David was a man after God's own heart. Then after him came 20 plus kings, even down the line of Judah and Israel, the different kings. And it says that they were all wicked and did evil in the sight of the Lord. And at this time, God rose up prophets to address and speak to these kings. And there's a king called Ahab and his wife called Jezebel, who's a Canaanite and who brings in the Baal gods and the Baal worship mixed in with temple worship. So there's corruption going on. And this is about how Elijah passes on that mantle to Elisha. And these two men have to stand up. Now remember, Elijah is a forerunner and people talk about Elijah or John the Baptist being like Elijah, a forerunner to what is to come. So there's someone powerfully prophetic that's like a shadow and a type of what is yet to come with Jesus. So let's look at the life of Elijah and some of the confrontations, some of the miracles, some of the things that happens in his, his, his life. So King Ahab, he marries a Canaanite woman and she is a practiser of uh, evil arts. She's a practiser of idolatry. And in the Baal religion, there's not just worshiping other gods, but there's practices uh, and sexual practices and blood rites and various things that go with it that are evil and just wrong. And if these things were practiced today, they'd be completely illegal. You're not allowed to sacrifice children. You're not allowed to uh, raise up these blood offerings. You're not allowed to do these things. But as Christians, we know that these things are wrong. Now, how do we, how do we contextualize that spirit manifesting in the church today? Often people can label someone a Jezebel, and the purpose of this preach is not to label anyone a Jezebel. If you have traits of control, and if you do have controlling issues, controlling tendencies, take them before the Lord. You can repent, and there's a way out of it. 
because often I've seen it in church history where people have been labelled and they feel like there's no way out. But the good news is, in Jesus, there is a way out of this spirit, this thing that tries to dominate us, dominate our lives, dominate our tongues, dominate our thinking, dominate our hearts. But in Christ, these things can be broken. So this, this Jezebel, this lady called Jezebel, who'd married Ahab, brought compromise into the nation. And Elijah prophesied about a drought taking place and only through his word that the thing could end. And it lasts for a season for so many years. And she was mad and she was furious. She hated the words of the prophets. And that's the spirit of Jezebel today. It hates the prophets. It hates the word of the prophets. So when the man or woman of God speaks and preaches and prophesies the word of God, my goodness, that spirit, that thing gets riled and angry in a modern context. So here's the thing. Jezebel is furious at Elijah, but Elijah prophesies and he takes on the prophets of Baal. Who are the prophets of Baal? Now, Jezebel had brought these prophets, 450 Phoenician prophets of Baal. She'd imported them. She'd brought them in uh, to, to hassle this man, to hassle this prophet and, prophet and to take him on. And Elijah stood up to these prophets and he said, let's lay out an altar. He said, come and have a go if you think you're hard enough. I'm using Dundeeology there. But here's the thing, as he says, come, come, come and have a go. Come on. Let's see, see whose God is the most powerful God. The one God or these multi-gods, these gods of Pan, these gods of Baal. So Elijah, in tremendous boldness, takes on these prophets. And Elijah, in the midst of a very difficult situation where there's water on the altar and it just looks completely impossible, Elijah calls down the Lord and the fire of the Lord falls on this altar and something supernatural takes place. And these Baal prophets um, are, are dispersed. These, these Baal prophets are no more. And Elijah is seen as a major threat, obviously, to the queen Jezebel and Ahab. Now remember, he is the king of Israel. He's a king of so-called righteous nation. So he's, he's meant to be someone who's fallen, uh, sorry, following the ways of the righteousness of God, but he's doing the complete opposite. It's a complete and utter shambles what he's doing. Now here's the thing. In this moment, Jezebel puts out a threat and it's a murderous threat. She says that she's going to kill Elijah, basically. So this threat comes against Elijah. This man of God who stood up in amazing boldness and took on the prophets of Baal, called down fire from heaven and saw a complete miracle. What has happened here? Elijah malfunctions and Elijah manages to allow fear into his heart. Fear enters in and Elijah goes to a place of isolation, self-isolation. Listen to this. This is a key. I'm about to give you a key to unlock how to change your mindset in this moment, in this time and in this season. Here's the key. There's a difference between Isolation and solitude. Isolation is where we isolate ourselves. Proverbs 18 verse 1, it talks about a man who isolates himself, rages against all counsel, basically counsels himself and rages against all wise judgment. So Elijah went into self-imposed isolation. But I'm going to fast forward to Jesus. Jesus sets the example and the tone. And he, he, let me explain this. So Jesus, after he was baptized, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert 
Jesus was not isolated. Jesus was in a place of solitude. Isolation is different from solitude. Let me explain solitude. Solitude is where we're led by the Spirit to that quiet place where we contemplate and we seek the presence of the Father. And in that moment, we get a download from heaven and the presence of God is there in the midst of what we're going through. I wanna bring you a key today. I've given you a key, but at the end, we're gonna pray that our mindsets change because some of us are going through a situation. Yes, we know the language of our nation is, is isolation, it's lockdown. But in the midst of this, we need to be people whose hearts are in a place of solitude, not isolation. So there's gonna be a shift take place in your heart. There's a shift taking place in your mind and in your soul, in your spirit this morning, as I preach, the word brought, the word brings, the word changes, the word is like a seed, but the word is like a hammer that shatters the rock. The word is like a sword that divides between soul and spirit. So this morning, some minds are gonna be changed. Some souls are gonna align with the word of God to move from that place of isolation into that place of solitude because solitude's a place of productivity. Let's jump back, Elijah. Elijah was a man who knew what it was to be in isolation, but God rescued him from his place of isolation. So he was in that moment, he was by himself, but God supernaturally fed him through ravens. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and he was restored back to ministry. But here's the thing, Elijah prophesied about Jezebel's downfall, how that, how that person, remember Old Testament, it's a person, New Testament, it's a spirit. So how that thing will be brought low. And that's a key. So, so Elijah knew that something would take place, but he was slightly afraid. And it would take an armed man to be raised up, a transition, something to take place, a voice to be raised up that would bring about a change in the nation. So there's, there's these two men, there's Elijah and Elisha. And it says in 2 Kings 2, let me just explain this. This is where there's a transition of government, a transition of rule, a transition of reign. In our context, I'm preaching into a transition of mindset, a transition of heart, a transition of change in our nation. This is a prophetic word. I know it's got its context, but we're trying to prophetically apply to what God wants to say through this word today. So it says, in 2 Kings 2, that 50 men from the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Now these prophets had all prophesied that Elijah was about to be taken up by the Lord. He was about to be taken home. Elijah doesn't die. Elijah is supernaturally taken up. And when Elisha is speaking with these prophets three times, they say to him, don't, don't you know that your master's going to be taken away? And uh, he tells them to be quiet because he's obviously annoyed with them because the emotion of being the apprentice, the man who's had the download from Elijah and walked with him, worked with him, caught his spirit, uh, been mentored, been discipled by him. So it's like suddenly he's in this place where he's been chosen to be uh, this prophet, but then he's looking at potentially transition to be the next Elijah or Elisha. And it says that Elijah and Elisha stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water with it. The water divided right to the right to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, this is key, tell me what I can do for you before, you, before I am taken from you. 
So Elijah asks a prophetic question. And in that moment, Elisha comes up with an answer that I think is a surprise to Elijah. So Elisha replies, um, let me inherit a double portion. Somebody say double portion, double portion. Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, he asked. This is Elijah's reply. You've asked a difficult thing. If you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will not. So in other words, Elisha, sorry, Elijah was saying, I don't have the power to do this. Only God can decide this. So he was testing Elisha and he said, if you do this and if you see this, this will take place. But it's only God that can decide it. So he left it in the hands of God, which was wisdom from Elijah. He didn't know what was going to happen with Elijah. He was a prophet, but he didn't know what was going to happen. But in that moment, it goes on to say that Elisha, sorry, Elijah was taken up uh, to heaven with chariots and angels. And it was a supernatural thing. Then Elisha did look up and he did catch the double portion. And that's another key for here, here, here this morning, is Elisha had to see the sword. In other words, Elijah soared up into heaven. So Elijah saw the sword before he began to soar. And often the Lord will ask us, what do you see? And it's important that we see things in the spirit, that we see things supernaturally, that we see the divine order. We see what God's going to do next. And it's important that we keep our eyes on that which God asks us to keep our eyes on. So Elisha had to keep his eyes on the sore. He saw Elijah's sore before he could soar. And let me give you some examples of where uh, Elisha did soar. He healed Nathan's, uh, Naaman's leprosy. Um, he raised a son to life after he had died. He provided um, a son for the Shamanite woman. And he also he provided oil for the poor widow. We all know that story where supernaturally the oil is poured out. So there's, and there's many other miracles as well. But there's something supernatural on the life of Elisha. There's something supernatural on the life of the church. Let's not be deprived of what God wants to do in and through us in this time and this season. Some people don't believe that God wants to do miracles, but God does do miracles today. God heals people. He saves people. He restores people. Spirit, salvation, soul, psychology, the mind, the will, the emotions, but also he heals people physically as well. And it's important we recognize the power of Jesus Christ, not just part power, but full power. Come on, raise your hand and say, yes, I want the full power. I want everything that he's got for me on this day. The key thing with Elisha is Elisha saw the bringing down of Jezebel. And that's a double portion. That's where the anointing, that's where the mantle, where Elijah set the tone, he set the pace, he brought about the anointing, he brought correction. But in the end, it was under Elisha's reign that things changed. The demise of this wicked king and queen came to an end. And that's the power of the double portion. Now that's in the context of two kings, two, where we talk about Elijah and Elisha. How does that apply to us today? How can we, how can we soar? How can we maximize? How can we walk in a double portion? The good news in Jesus Christ is we have all, we have everything that we need. We have that double portion, but it's important that we operate in it and we operate in our authority. 
that we walk with him and we speak with him, that we see the sword, we see the supernatural before it arrives, that we see in faith. And I believe on this day that God wants you to soar. I believe he wants me to soar. He wants us to be reset. You know, often people talk about we're getting reset in this moment. The planet's resetting and it's all good things. But the key thing is these resets are good, but the greatest reset is where we get reset in Christ and say, Lord, I'm going to align my life with your supernatural will for me. In this moment, some people are realizing that your destiny and calling is, is it might be different from what you've already thought it would be. There's been adjustments in your career. There's been adjustments in your life. There's been adjustments in your family. Some of your values have changed, that some of you have fallen more in love with your children. Some of you thought that, I'm, you know, I could end up falling out with my children, but you've fallen in love with your children and God's given you a big heart for family. Some of you are saying, God, what's, what, what can I do? What's, what's your dream for, for my life? How can I fulfill your promises in my life? And I believe the key in this moment for some people is that you break through moods of depression. I'm addressing that in some people. Some of you are going through waves. It's like, it's like tidal waves. It's like this wave, the tide comes in and out and you're struggling with depression. I want you to soar in the spirit. Once this, once this service is over today, I want you to worship God. I want you to serve him. I want you to bless him. I want, to, I want you to lift your hands. I want you to dance before him. Some of you need to break these moods, these foul moods. I get psychologically, I understand. I understand we're locked up. I get all that. But at the end of the day, we're men and women of God that need to rise up in the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me just pray in this moment because I believe this is a divine moment, a, a Kairos moment. We know that Kronos is, is the time. Uh, as in like 24 hours a day, that kind of time. But the Kairos moment is a divine time, a divine moment, an interceptor where a portal where the Lord himself will download upon your life. And in this moment in time, I believe the Spirit of God is just going to touch you as I pray. Some of you, you're going to shake off. You know, you're, you're, your head has been in the sand. You've been like a turkey or an ostrich. Your head has been in the sand and uh, you've been in depression, but I believe that God's gonna cause you just to roar, to soar, to rise up in the power of Jesus Christ. So let me just pray this through. I'm gonna invite you, if you're watching this here right now, to just lift your hands up, just worship the Lord. So this is an act of worship. It's not an act of servitude towards the preacher or submission towards the preacher. It's a submission to the Lord to say, Lord, I surrender. God, I raise my hands and I worship you. So right now, in this moment of time, Father, we worship you. We lift our hands before you. Lord God, we thank you that your word says, but those who hope in the Lord, they will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and faint not. Father God, I just pray for the energy in this season that you, your church, that's us, your church, Oh God Almighty, I pray on this day that we will begin to arise on wings like eagles and we will soar. 